Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. Welcome to 2022. We've got a lot of interviews to get to, so let's get right to them. Let's start off with the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, headlined by Calvin Cater and Higa Chikadze. Both of them will join me on the show to talk about ringing in the new year on the UFC schedule. We'll also be joined by Jasmine Jassadavisios, who will be competing on next week's UFC 270 card, the Canadian making her UFC debut in a, a big matchup against Kay Hansen. And we'll also speak with Brandon Royval, who is competing on this weekend's card, a very solid fight against Rogerio Bontarin as he looks to stay atop the, well, I guess in the top half of the UFC flyweight rankings. Always a fun fighter to watch, always a fun fighter to speak with. And uh, we're going to do that right now. But first, our interviews with the headliners. We've got UFC featherweights, Calvin Cater, Giga Jakadze joining us, Brandon Royval, Jasmine Jasadavisius. Here we go on the first TSN MMA show interview edition of 2022. It is nice to see Calvin Cater back in the main event of a UFC card to kick off the year, this time against Giga Jakadze. Now, last time we saw you in the cage was against Max Holloway, uh, almost a year to the date actually, which I'm sure everybody's been bringing up this week. But that loss is not like a lot of other losses that an athlete will face in their career. It was a particularly tough loss for you, uh, where you accrued, I guess, Max accrued a lot of damage against you, and people were very worried about your well-being. Is that a harder thing to recover from in terms of that particular type of loss? Uh, I mean, maybe for uh, a guy with a weaker mindset, I know it's part of the game. It happens, especially, you know, when you're trying to fight the best guys in the world. Shit happens. Um, I'm not dwelling on it. I'm focused on Giga, and uh, that that's where my mindset's at. Now, in terms of Giga, he's on a roll. I mean, I believe he's 7-0 and so far in the UFC since joining. Is this the kind of fight that you like, though? This is a, a great stand-up fighter, and I know that that's the type of fight that you really embrace. Hey, in order to be a main event, you got to have quality opponents. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to have another big moment opportunity in front of me. And that takes a caliber opponent like a, a Giga who's on a seven-fight win streak. And I'm looking to put an end to that Saturday night. Now, there's been talks about the winner of this fight being in the conversation for what is now, I guess, a title shot that is no longer happening between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. There's an opening in March. Is that something you have your eye on or at least has crossed your mind going into this weekend or are you solely laser focused on Giga? I'm just solely fit laser focused on Giga, you know, to, to focus on another opponent would have made sense for me this week. You know, I, I've had a 13 week camp. It's been all about Giga and that's going to way it's going to be till next week. Um, in order to be in that conversation, it takes getting a win here. So uh, I'm going to go handle business first and we'll figure out the rest later. Is there a lot of pride? in terms of what the Boston cartel or New England cartel rather has accomplished. I mean, you look at how much you and Rob ascended. I know you guys both hit, uh, you know, speed bumps in your last particular fights, but they were against two of the best guys to ever do it. And obviously you have to get to a certain height to reach there. Do you still feel a good amount of pride in what the two of you have accomplished, uh, given where you guys came from in the past couple of years? Yeah. And, and where we're still trying to continue to go, you know, we're, we're not, um, you know, we're not sitting back on any of these fights, but we're definitely, um, you know, it's it's great to be in the mix with these types of names. This is why we work so hard. You know, I've been in this game 15 years now. 
Um, and, and it's great to have these moments uh, and these opportunities in front of me. And um, now it's just about trying to go out and make the best of it. Go out, get, get my hand raised. And uh, I feel like, you know, in some senses, it's like all that work just to get started now because it, it's going to take twice as much to just beat these next level of guys. And, and uh, you know, making it here is one thing, but staying's another. And I look at the division that you guys are in, and I wonder if you guys take a step back and ever think, like, it's just not going to get any easier from here. It's, you guys are right in the mix of two of the deepest, toughest divisions in the sport. Do you ever have to take a step back and say, like, okay, you know, we can't get complacent here because the, the competition is just so stiff? For sure. You're never, uh, never complacent, man, but um, always just trying to compete with our potential. You know, I heard them say it before, and, and it, it's, it, it's, it's really just, us versus ourselves, man. Uh, you know, Giga could get hurt this week. Who knows? Anything can happen. But uh, just focus on yourself and, and and being ready for the moment in front of you. And um, everything else is secondary, man. And and uh, like I said, you said it's a stacked division. But really, we're just compete, competing with our potential. If we could do that enough, then uh, we'll be in a good position to take out whoever they put in front of us. That's a really interesting way of putting it, competing with your potential. So what kind of a conversation do you have with yourself when you're looking ahead and when you're strategizing for these really tough fights where you try not to focus that much on the opponent, but more on your own mindset. Yeah, honestly, I try not to look too far ahead with it either. Obviously we have goals and, and, and uh, plans, checkpoints, things like that, but really just staying in the moment with that mindset, you know, competing with yourself uh, on a daily basis. Like I'm not even on a fight week yet. You know, I'm, I'm going to pound through these interviews and then I got a gym session in a little bit. I, like I'm just on to the daily tasks every day. Cause sometimes you know, even that, that's where the, that's where the battles won or lost, man, is, is in the moment. And, um, that's where my mindset is. And I'm just looking forward to, um, you know, doing that enough from now till Saturday. When Saturday comes, I'll be ready for fight night. Is your long layoff a long time for you? Are you able to kind of emulate the feelings that you believe you're going to have going into this fight? Yeah, it's, I mean, I've had longer, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was a, a long break, but, um, uh, necessary man it felt good like i just I, I try to hit everything with a positive mindset and you could dwell on negatives off the year layoff or you could think there's a lot of positives too with the year layoff so uh, i'm focused on the positives man it, it was um you know all the all the good things i was able to take from it um you know had me that much more ready for for saturday man i've had a long time to prepare my body's healthy and i couldn't be more ready to go when did you get to vegas for this particular fight i got here uh, about a week ago came a little early Settled in, got an Airbnb with the team, and uh, and here we are. Just checked into the fighter hotel this week, and it's all business. Is that something that the UFC is encouraging the fighters to do? Because I spoke to another fighter yesterday who's fighting on the card in Anaheim, and she's going to Vegas like a week and a half in advance. Because obviously, with this Omicron uh, virus, it it you know it it has been circulating so quickly and so aggressively. And while they you know some people are saying that it might not be as serious of a strain, it would still preclude you from fighting if you ended up having a positive test. So is that something that the fighters are taking into consideration in the lead up to their fight? Well, I'd, I'd also uh, include the UFC Performance Institute being out here as a big advantage. You know, you, you get to work with top level uh, physical therapists on a daily basis, have a, a world best uh, you know gym to work out of. Um, just a, a beautiful cage. All the all the all the uh, benefits of the PI, you know. So trying to come out here a little early, maybe if it was somewhere else, I don't know, maybe the two weeks or a week and a half or so would be suffice. But having the institute out here, uh, you, you can never go wrong coming early. 
Was that something that crossed your mind though when you did book this trip? Was you know trying to avoid contact with anybody that you know that might be able to spread uh, this particular that's again, always of COVID? on your mind in this age. It's crazy, man. Right now, uh, I think one out of every five people in Massachusetts have it. That's why I got this crazy ass hair and beard right now. My coach said, "Are you sure you want to get a haircut?" One out of one in five people at that barbershop <laughs> are gonna have COVID. You sure you want it? I'm like, damn, man. All right, I'll get it when I get to Vegas. But so it's constantly on our mind, man. We're, we're trying to do everything we can to, you know, before the pandemic, you'd have to worry about you or your opponent maybe not making weight or getting injured for losing your fight. But now it's like, here's this curveball of COVID that not only if your fighter gets it, but maybe even if his corners get it, then the fight might be full. It's like, it's, it's crazy times. But well, we just yeah. focus on what we can control, man. You can't go crazy with it. Well, it's the, it's the financial risk, really, that I think the fighters take into account. This isn't like, you know, other professional sports where you're under contract, right? You guys are independent exactly. contractors, so you don't want a, a payday to get squandered because of whatever. You, you go to Whole Foods or something, and there's some dude in the aisle walks by you. Same with the team. You know, picture me in the corner. I was on my toes out here when I was uh, here a month ago for Rob's fight. You know, I'm like, damn, I don't want to be the reason that my, my teammate can't make his win side money, you know, or at least get his show side. You know, it's a start, man. It's it's. It's um, it's not a responsibility you want. Um, you know, it, you're just always on your toes, wearing your mask, trying to be um, on point, and you don't want to be the weakest link. <laughs> Who is in your corner this week, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be um, Tyson Chartier, coach manager, uh, Rob Font, teammate, um, and Jake Manini, Muay Thai coach, and then uh, Nick Fiore, who's a, a ground specialist. So. Uh, we got a packed house, man. Uh, I, I feel confident with the team around me uh, to take on anybody they put in front of me. Nick Fury, the superhero. That's a, that's a pretty good guy to have in your corner. Uh, he is, man. He's just, <laughs> he is a superhero. You guys are going to be hearing about him uh, coming up. He, he fights uh, locally right now in, in New England. He's a 3-0, and I believe, pro. And, um, man, kid's a stud. You guys will be seeing and hearing from, from him real soon. Well, thanks to Marvel Comics, he doesn't really need a nickname, so he's got that uh, pretty much set up. Uh, has Rob been able to give you some good rounds? I know that he fought very, very recently, and it was a, a pretty tough fought, uh, fight against Jose Aldo. And I wouldn't blame the guy if he wanted to kind of relax for the Christmas holidays. Yeah, no, he, his mindset is just on another level, man. He's got a beautiful mind for the sport, and um, just having his eyes on the on the training is good enough for me. And and. You know, every now and then, uh, you know, just just talking game plan, chopping it up and uh, talking shop. And, and that's good enough for me, man. Uh, he's showing up to all the sessions. He's uh, he's a great teammate and happy to have him in my corner. Well, I'm happy to have time with you. Really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck in the main event against G- uh, Giga Chikaze. It's the first UFC fight night of the year. Nice to have you in the uh, main event. And I hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you very much. Good talking, brother. I'm pleased to be joined now by Giga Chikadze. He's in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, the first card of the year against Calvin Cater, a fantastic fight. But I want to get your immediate reaction to this. They just announced, uh, at least it's being reported, that Alexander Volkanovsky is going to face the Korean zombie in April. Now, to me, I think that you, had you won this weekend, would have been the best contender for the featherweight division. What's your immediate reaction to finding this out? Uh, I have not seen it. Is it official? Because... I don't think they announced officially because, yeah, I had some uh, chats with the top of the echelon people in UFC and uh, they said, we'll see what happens. So uh, I know what I have to do first. I'm concentrated more than 
ever for this fight against Kelvin Cater. And then we'll see what happens. You know, I'm uh, definitely if they announce the fight before my fight against the zombie and Volkanovski, I will be upset about it. But this is not going to change my mood for my next fight. All right. Well, I, I appreciate your candor on that. It looks like that is what they're going to do is they're moving it to April and that's going to be the fight. Uh, again, it surprises me because I think that if you wait a couple days, <laughs> we can see what, what's up. <laughs> I mean, that's really the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, they just need to wait for a few days, right? That's it. Um, yeah, I don't want this to get in my mind. Uh, I'm just keeping this as a motivation that I know the champ don't have an opponent. And uh, when I win this fight, then I have a real chance to get the uh, title shot. That's what's my mood right now. And the uh, rest of it, I don't care, you know. I know I have to go there and... Uh, do my best uh, performance I ever did so far in the cage, in the octagon. And that's what you guys are going to see. Now, you competed in glory kickboxing. That's a lot of your background is in kickboxing. When you look at the 145-pound division, you look at yourself, Max Holloway, the Korean zombie who I just mentioned, um, Calvin Cater, your opponent this weekend. Do you think that this is the best division when it comes to striking in mixed martial arts? Absolutely. It's a 100% best division. Look at the top guys. I feel like everyone is a striker. I don't know, it's kind of, it's fun for me, you know. Um, I would be a little bit depressed to see the, all the wrestlers and ground guys, uh, so nobody would want it to fight me on standing. But now I have so many guys to fight against them in a striking way. So it's, it's just fun because I feel like that's what entertains fans more as well. You know, no one really wants to see uh, in MMA wrestling much. If they like it, they can change the channel and watch wrestling, you know. So that's why MMA is made of the mix of everything. And that's what makes the most fun as well. That's what I was always telling people about glory kickboxing. You know, people complain about the grappling in MMA. I say, go watch glory. It's, it's awesome. It's fun to watch. Great striking. And that's all you're going to get. <laughs> True, true. Glory has one of the best striking, absolutely. And uh, But I feel like all the top guys are moving into UFC now from the glory. So now I feel the best strikers run UFC. I'm sure people bring up all the time your Dana White Contender Series fight, uh, which you ended up losing. But of all the fighters that have come from the Contender Series, you are the most successful. You're undefeated in the UFC, as I mentioned, 7-0. What changed? What what has made you a better fighter? Because it seems like you keep getting better and better and better. Uh, Dana White Contender Series fight was a uh, big, uh, big for me. You know, I was, I thought I was ready for the big MMA fights, and I was winning the fight. Everything was going good, and last minute I get choked out, and uh, that thing made the biggest. Um, biggest changes in my sports career you know I, I stopped kickboxing I completely retired from the sport concentrated on MMA concentrated on the ground game sign up with the high school wrestlers to roll and start shooting and takedowns with them you know but that it was something you know that when you are the high level kickboxer on the highest like I was one of the number one contender 
I was world champion in kickboxing in karate. And then you put white belt and join the, the beginner's class in jiu-jitsu. Then you do the high school wrestling with the kids who never wrestled and just started. So that's a, that's a lot, you know. Uh, and this is what I all done in 2018 after that loss. So after that, I've been getting better. I've been working hard. Even my professionalism in the sport changed. So I watch other athletes, how they work. I learn from them a lot. My teammates, just take Benil Darush, take Marvin Vettori, take other my teammates. You know, they, they work so hard and so smart. So I watch them and then I learn how to work uh, and also realize myself a lot because I was fighting more like a kickboxing style fighter in MMA. And that's a little bit dangerous, you know. So I went to, in my roots, so I found my karate stance, karate techniques, and um, I feel like that fits me, my style in MMA more. I want to ask you about one training partner that you just brought up, which is Benil Darius, because if you look at the time in which you guys have been training together, your grappling has gotten a lot better. You haven't given up a takedown in the last four fights. You've stuffed seven of the attempts from your opponents. And you look at Benil Darius and his striking has gotten a lot better. So do you guys just alternate in the gym where you guys do grappling together? He wraps you up like a pretzel and then you guys do stand up and you, you know, you, you smack his legs up a little bit and you guys just keep going back and forth until you get better. Yeah, yeah. Benil Darush is my the, more than my teammate. Benil Darush is my son's godfather. Uh, he's my family member, and uh, this is a first guy who opened his house door, family door to me and for my family when we moved. And he was the first guy who was telling me, "Giga, you have to come in California to." with us live with us you know and uh, since then we've been very close to each other I have for sure him a lot uh, in his striking game and uh, he all my ground game come from him and some of other coaches as well but Benil Darius has been a big uh, influencer in my MMA career all right, Giga, well, we look forward to your continued success in the UFC, a big main event yourself, Calvin Cater, this weekend to open up the year. Uh, thanks for this. Appreciate your time. Look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Brandon Royval is back at the beginning of 2022. After only one fight in 2021, you're a guy who likes to keep it active. What was it like to only have one in 2021, and how many are you hoping to do this year? Uh, I want to fight as much as possible this year. Um, one fight, 2020, uh, 2021 was horrible. I spent most of my, I spent like six months recovering. So, um, in retrospect, like looking back too, is like I, I'm a year out from when, uh, when I had my surgery exactly, pretty much. And uh, I don't know, man. I like uh, maybe taking like, if if I was gonna waste 2022, might as well have uh, took the full time of recovery, kind of looking back. And uh, but I, I really wish I just had more of an active 20. Uh, 2021 but uh i don't know it gives, it gives me a perfect uh, reason to make year 2022 the, the year of the dog you know how has the shoulder been feeling i guess it's a good investment in your ufc future yeah yeah way better way better um it was horrible at a time but it feels it feels good man the process of it sucks uh i always have to actively work on it uh, uh like the recovery like is constant with it the the trying to build it up is always constant but um yeah it's a lot better 
way better and it's like i trust it finally so it's, it's and that's been the hardest part was learning to trust it, right? Because if you're throwing big punches, the last thing you want to do is aggravate it. And I'm sure that's in the back of your mind. And to get over that, I'm sure is a pretty big hurdle. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it was. It's just like having no trust in it, knowing I can't do punches. I remember my, uh, when, uh, when I was, uh, I forget, like I was digging for an underhook in the middle of starting to dig for the underhook. I was like, oh, I can't do that yet. Like I wasn't ready to do it because I was like in the middle of going for underhooks and or like he was going for overhook. And that started to fuck up my shoulder and I immediately pulled out and I just kind of gave him the position because I was like, I had to protect my shoulder first, you know? So uh, it's been, it's been a, a ride, but uh, I don't know, like I'm finally learning how to trust it and uh, learn how to fight with, uh, with two arms now. <laughs> you know, I heard a great interview that you did with uh, two of the OGs, George and Goes from um, MMA Junkie. Uh, you did this interview fairly recently and you talked about how early in your training, you, were, you guys were going full out. Like this was, uh, you said 11, 12 years ago. And you had to do so much in order to get to where you are now, to get to the UFC and to become a contender in the flyweight division. How hard is it to stay hungry? You know, you, you use all that hunger to get to where you are. How do you get away from being complacent when you're at the, you know, in the big show at, at the very top of this division? It, it's easy to be not complacent when you haven't accomplished shit. And that's how I feel. I feel like I haven't accomplished anything yet. So uh, I know what I can do. I know, uh, I know what I can do against some of the opponents. And, uh, oh, I, I got to accomplish it, man. I got to go out there and uh, show it. I want to. I want to show the world I'm the, one of the best fighters in the. Uh, I want to show them the best one of the best fighters in the world. And uh, it's easy to wake up hungry when uh, when you still live in the same spot you've been living in for the last fucking six years. I still live in the same like uh, uh, my same little condo forever. So it's like nothing about my life's really changed. It's just I get to sleep now. <laughs> so what will it take for you to feel accomplished? For you to be happy with where you're at in your career? Um, I don't know, man. I really don't know. I gotta just, I gotta start doing something, man. I gotta make something happen, man. I feel like I'm, I'm resting on one or two wins in UFC. And like, I made a little bit of a name off myself of that, but it's like, you can't just keep posting the Kai Car France video over and over again. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I don't know. I just want to accomplish something. Uh, I feel like when I, when I first started MMA, like when I started getting fighting, I remember I was like, I just want a long ass highlight reel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want good ass highlight reels. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. I, I want to. I, I don't know. I, that's a good question, man. That really is a good question. I really don't know what what the end satisfaction is, and uh, I feel like every time I've ever reached a point where I was like, okay, this is what I wanted, boom, and then it's like, nah, this isn't what you wanted. You want more, you know? And it's like I, I've been. I guess I kind of like maybe asked a little bit too much from the rules, but uh, I I don't know. I, it's. A, I remember when I got to UFC, I'm like, well, I did it, and then you get to the UFC, and you're like, this isn't it, you know? Like I didn't do anything. And it's like that sudden realization of all that. It just it'll keep me hungry, man. I, I don't know what goal I want. I don't know if I'll ever have satisfaction in anything I do, but I don't know. I'm definitely hungry now, so that's all that matters. It's interesting that you mentioned the Kai Car France fight because he's right in the title picture now. It's amazing how this sport is such a "What have you done for me lately?" sport. Because when you came out onto the scene in the UFC, you know you were somebody who everybody was talking about. And now because you only fight once in 2021, it seems like people are sleeping on Brandon Royval and what you're capable of. And now, again, Kai Kaur France has this big win and he's probably one win away from a title fight. And that's a guy that you beat. So, you know, what do you think it's going to take to get you back to that spot where you want to be in terms of, I guess, the hype that comes with being in the UFC? Yeah, well, it's obviously going to take like a win, a win with Bontarine, but uh, I think like the next best way for me to get the title shot and get like notoriety another great fighter and uh if 
if I go out there, steamroll Bontarin, the loser of the title shot should be my next route. I think that'd be the best best fight for me, the best fight to get my name up, and uh, the best the best way to get back to a title shot and have all that, you know. Well, then I'm going to ask you who's going to be the loser of the title fight next weekend if you were to make a prediction. Next weekend, oh, I mean, yeah, I, I would just assume Biggie just because how uh, how bad uh, or like how good of a job I don't want to say bad, uh, how good of a job Brandon Moreno did on that last fight, but and you got to assume like he's probably just the kid's young, still doing more. So it's probably just increasing that gap, but who knows, man? I don't really know anything when it comes to fighting. I'm the worst gambler with all this shit. Uh, uh, I'm very indecisive. So I, I don't know, but if I was a betting man, I would bet Moreno takes it. It's so interesting because in the first fight, I think everybody would agree that Figueredo won that fight, if not for the point deduction. One of the judges gave the fifth round to Moreno, which basically swung the entire fight from being a Figueredo win to a draw. And the fifth round was when Moreno was basically injured and barely throwing anything. But yeah. then you look at the rematch, and Moreno just comes out guns a-blazing and, and smokes Figueredo. It, it's almost like, which Figueredo are we going to see here? Because Figueredo, at his best, is not what people are expecting, I think, going against Brandon Moreno next week. Yeah, yeah, and that that's another thing that, I, I, that like, when you when you when people have me guess these things, it's like, well, like, what really was going on in Figgy's head that day? Because, like, man, I've had fucking shit fights before. Like, I've had days where I just did not perform, and, like, I just... You know, days in the gym where you just did not perform, you didn't have it, and, uh, you know, and then there's days where I'm untouchable, and like, the, those are, uh, like, like what what Figgy are we going to get? What Moreno are we going to get? All of that, you know? Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. I wonder I wonder what's the truth about uh, Figgy and, like, opening the business and not training at all for that last fight, because it's like, I don't know. Uh, like, uh, sometimes you believe that, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if that's true at all, you know? Yeah, you know, Dustin Poirier often says that the truth is what happens in the cage, but we also don't mm-hmm. know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know if anybody's injured. We don't know if somebody had a bad night's sleep the night before. It's just such a volatile sport you know, in you that know, sense. But his shoulders hanging on by a thread, all of that. Yeah, it's hard to make assumptions in the sport. You don't know what people are going through, and all these motherfuckers are so headstrong and so, like, mentally strong that it's like, you know, they're going to go take the fight. They're going to get through. A lot A lot of people are going to take the opportunity, whatever they're dealing with, the adversity or not. Uh, going to come through and fight because that's who we are you know that's all we know you know i truly believe that on any given night somebody that's unranked could beat the champion if if all the things were swinging in their favor right and that's kind of what it's like being in the ufc is you're facing all of the best guys all the time and it's just such a game of inches that 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 must be so nerve-wracking for a fighter not just like yourself but anybody just to know that the, the slightest of things can throw things off heading into a fight yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the fight's always one punch away or, like, one mistake away from you being at the wrong end of it. And then also, um, it's just, like, matchups are everything, man. Like, if you can get a good matchup, if, if you know that you match up well against someone or vice versa, you don't match up well against someone, it's, like, there's plenty of champions that could lose to some number 10 ranked guy at all. Like, you know what I'm saying? That, like, we don't even we don't even consider a factor, but, like, if you put that matchup out there, maybe he loses that fight every time, you know? Like, I don't know. When you talk about matchups, I think this is a great matchup for you. I think in terms of what uh, Bontarin brings to the table is something that is the kind of fight that you can be opportunistic with because we've seen Bontarin have mental lapses here and there, and against you, it's just not something that you can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I match up really well with Bontarin. I think um, I think I can approach this multiple ways um, mentally. I want to enter it more strategically, but I, I know if it goes into a firefight, I'm going to I'm gonna come out with the... Uh, 
with a cooked ass ham roast and all that <laughs> and feed my family, you know? Absolutely. Well, it's always a pleasure watching you compete. I'm happy to see you back first card of 2022 and hope to see a lot of Brandon Royval in the Octagon this year. Thanks for doing this. Look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for your time. She is the most recent female mixed martial artist out of Canada to sign with the UFC after a great stint on the Dana White Contender Series and is now making her UFC debut at UFC 270 in Anaheim, California against Kay Hansen. How's that sound? I mean, you must have a lot of emotions going through your mind when you hear that you're finally making your debut in the UFC. Yeah, I'm so excited. I uh, I just can't wait. I, I can't wait to get in there and, uh, you know, show everything that I've been working on. Absolutely. So over the holidays, were you able to, I guess, enjoy them, so to speak, in terms of eating? And I know you're fighting at 125 and you previously fought at straw weight. So uh, I'm sure you don't have to adjust your diet that much. Yeah, I mean, I uh, didn't really have any treats or anything like that, but I didn't have to diet like super hard. I mean, I was, uh, I, I spent time with family, but, uh, you know, training took top priority. So I was physically there, but mentally I was, you know, thinking about camp and uh, you, like Christmas Day, we were, we were training and, you know, we we didn't take any time off, but... Uh, but, yeah, I still got a little bit of time in with the fam. Well, that's good to hear. So on Christmas Day, how many people are there training with you to, to get you ready for this fight? You know, it was it was pretty good. We had a good crew. We, we made it at, like, I think it was 11.30 or 12, something like that. So, I, like, kind of at that mid-range time where it would have been, like, after anyone who had kids or anything like that kind of like after they would have already been up but before the big dinner happened so it was it it worked out well and we we had a pretty like more people than i anticipated actually come now, there's a question that's been interesting to me since the new year you know this is my first interview i'm doing in 2021 so congratulations on uh, of course getting the honor of being my first interview but uh more importantly it's the first interview since really this omicron variant of COVID has hit and with the UFC, if you're fighting on a particular event, if you come in contact with the virus, because you're an independent contractor, it really throws everything into disarray for a fighter, as opposed to if you're you know, in the National Hockey League or whatever, NBA, and you get the virus, you kind of sit out for five days and you're back on the court. Um, are there any additional precautions that you're taking as a fighter to, to try to limit your exposure to the amount of people that you're around leading up to the fight? Or do you kind of block that out of your mind because it's something that's, I guess, a little bit of added stress going into this fight? Um, well, I mean, it, I don't really have contact with that many people anyways. Um, like I'm home and the gym, that's it. I, I, you know, I'm in camp, so it's not like I'm really like spending time with my friends or really doing anything other than training and resting. So I guess by default, I'm, I'm doing it, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm obviously like a little bit concerned, but but uh, it, so far so far I'm healthy and so far we're all good. <laughs> yeah, the worry to me would be getting on a plane. I mean, driving to Anaheim is thirty something hours, so I imagine that's out of the question. That's the part to me that is kind of iffy because you don't know where everybody on that plane has been. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we're we're going out. We're actually leaving on Wednesday, so. Hopefully no one with the with any diseases is flying on Wednesday. <laughs> so
So you so you would fly out Wednesday of this week. So you're you're going more than a week and a half out. That's actually a very smart move in terms of, uh, you know, if something does happen, you you might be able to be eligible anyways. Yeah, we we figured that uh, we're gonna go out early. Like, cause who knows what's gonna go on with the border, or anything like that. We're we're gonna go. We're flying into Vegas and then gonna stay there for a couple of days and then over to An- just drive over to Anaheim for fight week. Yeah, that's a very uh, that's very good foresight, I think, on, on you and your team's part. Because, like as I mentioned, it's it's one of those things that's completely outside of your control, but can really have a, a severe impact on uh, you know something especially as notable as your U- UFC debut. Yeah, exactly. I was supposed to do that um, CFFC um, like Fury grappling thing before, and we had an issue with the border, so I wasn't able to to get across. Well, I was, but my coach wasn't. It's so stupid, but. Um, but yeah, so we're making sure to to get over early just in case there's any hiccups or anything. What can you tell me about Kay Hansen and, and how you're approaching this particular fight? Um, you know, I think that it's a good matchup. Uh, she's very well rounded, and uh, I think that uh, I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I I think that we're both we're both coming in. We're both like hot prospects, you know, coming in. So. Uh, put us against each other and see see who rises. It's an interesting matchup. You know, it's funny in the UFC now there's there's just no layups. You know, like people can't really get a setup fight so to speak. You're you're already pretty much thrown into the fire in your first bout. Yeah, exactly. But you know, as a fighter you wouldn't have it any other way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think that the opponent that you beat on the contender series is UFC Caliber. She was a very good fighter and it was a very hard-fought matchup for both of you. Yeah, for sure. Like she's got, she had a good record. She's a talented girl. I mean, uh, I think yeah, exactly what you said. She was UFC caliber. Now, one thing I want to talk to you about is back when you first started training. You've told the story before, and I'm I'm looking for a follow up on this. When you were in Ottawa watching Jason Sago, who you were, I guess, sort of training with at the time, compete, you were very, very early in your training, uh, if anything. You were sitting beside your best friend and told her that one day you would make it to the UFC. And she said that if that was the case, she would get a tattoo of your face on her posterior, for lack of a better term. Has that happened yet? Is that going to happen? Give me the update. So... It, we did plan on doing it after I got the contract, like for Contender Series, but like life got in the way, everything got crazy, and so we're gonna do it after my real like debut. Like it, you know, it makes sense—the first like real fight in the UFC. But we'll make sure to get it all documented and everything. But yeah, she she is nervous about it, but but she may shouldn't have made the bet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Has, does she have other tattoos? She only has one other tattoo, like just on her side. But uh, yeah, this is this is a big one for her. <laughs> well, you know, what? I, th- I was thinking about it from just like the perspective of having a picture of your best friend tattooed on you. It's like it's kind of sweet, really. I mean, like you know, yeah. we, we all love our best friends, and we we want to have our best friend with us wherever we go. And I guess that's kind of a way to do it. I just hope her boyfriend doesn't get too jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like you said, she, she made the, uh, the bet. Uh, so how are you going to document this? You're going to bring cameras and, and have the whole thing kind of ready to go and, uh, and I guess, show everybody what's, what's happened after the fact? Exactly, yeah. And that's another thing. She's like, hey, give me a little time. Like, let me make sure I'll do some squats and stuff like that. Let me make sure that it looks good for camera. <laughs> have you chosen a picture? Like, is it a picture of you after a fight where you're, like, you know, making kind of like an aggressive face or something? Or is it just going to be, you know, a normal headshot? 
we haven't decided yet. We're like kind of up for negotiation. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like kind of a cartoon picture or if it's going to be like a real life like portrait, something joking, something serious. I don't know. Maybe people send me some uh, some pictures and uh, we'll see who wins. And then that'll be the one that gets on our ass. <laughs> well, the good thing about making your UFC debut is they take so many pictures of you um, when you're with the UFC. So you're going to have a lot to choose from. You just got to talk to uh, Mike Roach, I believe is the photographer of the UFC, and, and ask him to do some you know fun, uh, fun ideas that could end up being on a tattoo. I'm sure he'll help you play that up. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, because it's the debut, and that's that's what is the you know I guess the reason why this tattoo is coming uh, into into fruition. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like it. I saw that uh, Aaron Jeffrey, your teammate, um, is going to be defending his CFFC title coming up. Obviously, some disappointment coming off the Contender Series. Uh, what's his state of mind like right now? I imagine he's probably hungrier than ever after uh, what happened in the summer. Yeah, you know, we had practice this morning, literally just like race back home to, to make sure I was on time for this. And uh, he's looking good. He's uh, He can't wait to get in there. And uh, I, we all can't wait to for him to get in there and uh, just show what he's been working on. It's He's, uh, yeah, he's dynamite. Your, your team seems to have had some setbacks in the recent years with, uh, you know, Anthony Romero, with Aaron Jeffrey, and it seems like it makes you guys a lot stronger. You've all bounced back from it. Even Aaron, I mean, he lost the first time around on the Contender Series, became the CFFC champion, and anybody who's become a CFFC champion has pretty much gone on to be in the UFC at some point or another. So I still think that, of course, he will end up there, but uh, it just goes to show the resilience of your team. Yeah, we're, you know, we're not a huge team, but we're a really supportive team, and, uh, you know, when, when, one person has a setback like it kind of set sets us all back you know in the heart and uh and we just we we build each other stronger after so i i'm um i think that that we have uh, the most amazing team in the, in kind of like regards to that so speaking of which who is traveling with you to your debut uh so this time around, I have Chris Prickett, of course, always. Um, I have Matthew Jelly and uh, Matt DiMarcantonio. Okay, great. Yeah, I think I saw Matthew compete on the same card as you at, at BTC. Am I thinking of the right? I'm thinking of the right person, right? Yep. Yeah, that's him. That's great. Well, it's nice to see BTC get back off the ground. I know that there was another card scheduled in Niagara that unfortunately fell through because of this whole Omicron thing that hopefully will get rescheduled at some point in time. But it seems like the Southern Ontario MMA scene is booming, uh, especially with yourself making your UFC debut, UFC 270 against Kay Hansen. Really looking forward to that and really appreciate your time, Jasmine. Thanks for this. No, thank you so much for having me. It's always great chatting. A huge thank you to all of our guests, Giga Jakadze, Calvin Cater, Jasmine Jasudovicius and Brandon Royval, in no particular order. Enjoyed speaking with all of them, and I hope you enjoyed listening to them. And next week, we've got a massive week. UFC 270 is on the horizon. We've got some big interviews from that card. We'll have Brandon Moreno, of course, UFC President Dana White. We did our odds game. We'll, we'll play that for you next week as well. Cyril Ghosn, Francis Ngannou, Charles Jordan. It's going to be a stack show, as it always is on a pay-per-view week. So I really appreciate you tuning in, and I would love to have you... Rate and review the show. That's what keeps the wheels in motion for this freight train of a podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get this show. Leave us a nice review, nice comment. We don't ask for much, but that's all we ask for. And we appreciate that very much if you do take the time out of your busy day to do that. As well as taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. It's always a lot of fun to interview these athletes and can't do it without your support. 
So a big thank you to all of you. Happy 2022. Nice to be here to continue covering this awesome sport. And I look forward to giving you more and more of these as the weeks go on. Hopefully close to 50 of these in a year. Not too bad. I speak to a lot of people. It blows my mind sometimes how many interviews I actually get done in a a year. But uh, I love doing it. Love having these great fighters tell their stories. And we'll continue to do that as the year continues. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.